This is Gilbert Andrew Garcia. Listen to my radio show, A Tip from Gilbert. Talk, inspiration, and prayer every Monday from 11 a.m. till noon on Houston's Gospel Leader, KWWJ. 1360 a.m. and streaming live on kwwj.org. Listen on the legendary KYOK 1140 a.m. and streaming live on kyokradio.org. KCOH 1230 a.m. The Source on San Geek Radio 95.1 FM 1460 a.m. and Aliento Radio 101.7 FM and 1540 a.m. Call in at 832 832- 2-570-8075 and follow me on social media. See you then. You fill up my All right, Houston, this is Gilbert Andrew Garcia, a tip from Gilbert. Talk, inspiration, and prayer. I'm back here with you Monday morning. After Thanksgiving, I don't know about all of you, but I feel like I gained 10 pounds, but I did it in a wonderful way with family, with prayer, with friends, and with some football. But here we are. Uh, Let's let the song play a little bit. I happen to have uh, two guests today. I have Reverend Lark and I have Cyrus. Uh, Cyrus, of course, is the president of the College Democrats at University of Houston. And Reverend Lark, of course, needs no introduction because everybody knows him uh, all over the state of Texas and certainly all over Harris County. He's so nice. And let me just say, I had the privilege, let this play a little bit, but I want to play it all in its entirety at the end, Mr. Producer. I happened to see a wonderful John Denver tribute performer, Ricky Schuler, who travels all around the country. And he plays John Denver music and Christmas music. And this song is so extraordinary. And he wrote it in 10 minutes. John Denver was coming down a ski lift and saw the beauty of nature. And I believe he saw God around him and wrote this song. And he wrote it for his wife, Annie. But she said that it really became kind of a prayer for him. And when we go through the words at the end, I think you'll understand why. So let me come back to you, uh, Reverend Lark. Tell me, uh, how was your weekend? What did you do for Thanksgiving? Well, I did a very simple thing. I spent the day, all day, didn't go anywhere with the family and the grandchildren. Isn't that wonderful? How many grandkids do you have? I have four. Four? Yes. You are a blessed man. More than blessed. Um, It was uh, just 12 years ago when I experienced the first one. And now that I have four, it's a new lease on life. Isn't that amazing? You have to be a grandparent. I didn't know what it was like, but you have to be a grandparent to know what it feels like to be a grandparent because the love is different from a grandchild than it is a child. And I never knew that. Tell us, tell us about that for a second. People tell me that. Of course, this is coming from someone that's, you know, I'm not a grandparent. Well, you will be. Uh, I'm dying to be. Uh, my, my, wife is convinced, my wife is convinced that she'll be the best grandmother, the coolest grandmother ever. Uh, I, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what she's convinced. And uh, so we're waiting for our children. They're still kind of young. But we're waiting. So tell me, tell us more about that. What, why is that? Well, I think most people who uh, are listening and grandparents can identify with this. When you're with your child, especially in my experience, the man, the, the dad, tends to be the disciplinarian with the child, tends to have a different relationship. Now, I've never had a daughter on and a son, so I don't know what that's like. I, I've seen some dynamics that men become putty. Uh, with their girls. Boy, you must be watching me. You must be following me around, but go ahead. But but the opposite with my, I know my dad was a good example and I tried to be a good example for my son. So when the grandchildren come along, you feel like "Hmm, it's not my job to raise them. It's not my job. So you spoil them. And so anyone who gets spoiled, most of the time, they're going to just give you Uh, unrequited love back. They're not going to have a reason to, you mm -hmm. know, because you tell them Uh. what to do. And so just to my grandson, one grandson, three granddaughters, and the bond that I had with my son after about 14 or 15 in our experience in life, we say they start smelling themselves. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of go out in the world like I did, too. You know, I was yep. guilty of it, and my son did. But now this grandson I have, from 1 now to 12, he's just always under me. He wants to go with me. We, we just have this special bond. 
that I enjoy. How wonderful. I mean, that just that warms my heart. So Cyrus, that just that goes to show you now your parents, do you see your parents? Do they live in town? They do, yeah, and I actually live with them as a commuter student. Oh, you at do? The University of Houston, so oh. I get to see them a lot. <laughs> do, how about your grandparents? They live, my family is Iranian, so my grandparents' uh, maternal side, paternal side, unfortunately, or, or have passed some time ago. Uh, maternal side, they live in Tehran, so they live in the capital in Iran. Well, let me ask you something ignorant, because, you know, I feel like we in America aren't as. I don't know the right word. I get it you know what I'm saying. Right? I mean, okay. we're, we're not as knowledgeable as yes. we should be. We're not as thoughtful as we should be. We're not as worldly as we should be. But tell me, how are things in Iran? When you when you read about it, you hear about it. What's really going on? Do you? This is such a silly, ignorant question. Do you talk to them all the time? Do you talk to them on the phone? And I mean, tell us about it. We do. So uh, interestingly, we had to get my mom an iPhone specifically so that when the government during the the recent protests had shut off, sort of the default. Uh, tr- means of communication of choice for people there like WhatsApp and some of these other uh, popular apps that people use to communicate uh, with their family outside of Iran those were kind of blocked by the government so we had, but uh, FaceTime on on iPhone wasn't so that's how we've been managing to keep in touch with them we call with them yeah pretty frequently like every few days uh, kind of asking the situation obviously not great there um, there's a lot of protesting and they're um, particularly in like a hot spot for that since they live in the capital um, it's like it skews a lot younger in that city as well and those are generally the people out in the streets doing that kind of prop that kind of you know scary work um, but it's uh, it's it's you can only hope that that good things come from it yeah. and well we appreciate that hold on guys would you believe you already have a caller we got a caller who do we got there do we have miss Edna Griggs Yes, you do. How are you, Miss Edna? I am fine. And guess what? I'm one of those grandmothers, too. (laughs) I can tell you what. (laughs) Tell me, tell me. My grandkids are so spoiled. And, and, you know, my my granddaughter is at Howard now. The good thing that I can say about that they respect their grandmother so much. They 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 listen to me when they don't listen to their parents, <laughs> and, and that and that and that's a good thing because I'm pretty hard, yeah. you know, okay. But sometimes it takes that toughness to make them better, and 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 they just I mean I they get it they get anything they want it doesn't matter what it is they get it and, okay because I was I was the mom and the dad both because you know I was divorced so the grand grandfather really wasn't around. So I was both, you know, and they get everything. So hey, I I, I just love it. And my, my daughters can say, I don't understand how you let them get away with this, but you didn't let us get away uh, with this. <laughs> the old double standard. Well, so I can just and, imagine, does your daughter say, oh, mom. I mean, oh, honey, they, t- they get on me all the time. They just don't <laughs> believe that I let them get by. I said, I can't believe you let them. You let him get by with that, Mama. You wouldn't even let us. <laughs> well, I, it's so funny, but it is a difference. I can't even um, imagine it yet, uh, and maybe because my kids are still little now. My oldest is a man; he's thirty, okay. and then my next oldest is just started working on Wall Street in New York. He's twenty-two, and then my oh, next cool. oldest. Uh, yep, yep. Thank you, guys. Thank you, uh, studio audience. My next is a freshman at LSU. And then, those are boys, I have the princess. Okay. And I mean, my princess, I just want to eat her every time I see her. I just <laughs> love it. You know what I mean? Miss Edna, when you just see them, you just want to just smother them with love somehow. And you just, you know, sometimes I'll look at her and she says, Dad, quit looking at me. Oh, my goodness. And you know, she <laughs> just says, Dad, quit looking at me. She goes, and she loves it. And I'm like, what do you time. say, quit looking? She goes, you're, you're giving me a creepy look. <laughs> and I'm like, what is a creepy look? So one time she yeah, gave me a look and it was like this. See, she's getting old. And, and I don't know what that creepy look is. Uh, I think that's a look of love. A- adoration Isn't and all it? that. And, and she's getting older now, so it makes her feel uncomfortable. But she loves it, I'm sure. She, uh, if you stop doing it, she'll have a problem. Yeah, she'll go like that. How come you don't look at me right. anymore? You don't look at me anymore. Right. It's like my wife, she always and, says. And they, and, they, and they love it anyway. They just, you know, they just love Because my daughters, you know, I mean, of course, born and raised in Acres Homes. And my daughters, uh, you know, I got twin girls. So uh, one of them, you know, is a, is a vice principal. The other one is a director of a UCLA infectious control. And my son is in wellness. And when I sit back and I look, you know, and, and where they came from and then see now I got three grandkids 
that, you know, they look at it sometimes they come to Acres Homes and they be saying, you know, oh man, what are we gonna do to try to change, you know, your area, Granny? You know, they just, you know, they, they, they. So I'm, I'm, I'm liking that because they see the change that needs to happen in the community, and hopefully that they, when they come back and they finish college, that they'll come back to help make that change. And that, and you know, and that's a, that's a beautiful thing because like I, what I called in today was just to tell you about our Texas Democratic Women's meeting is tonight. Oh, how wonderful! At six thirty at, at the IBW Hall at 1475 North Loop West. And we would definitely love to invite everyone to come out. This will actually be our last meeting before our Christmas party next month. So to come out and we just, I just found out that we're gonna have our special guest, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee is gonna be in the house tonight. So we are just honored uh, to have that. But you know, change, like I said, change. When I came into this organization seven years ago, it was basically white. And within that time that I came in, I said, this has to change. We've got to bring the diversity into this organization. And that was my goal. And I brought the first Latin Hispanic, which is Daisy, who's our president now. President. Oh, and yes. then next, next year, we will be uh, the, and actually my girlfriend, Joyce Wiley, was the first black president. And next year we'll have uh, Bernita Matois, which will be our president again, and she's black. So the diversity is there. So I'm really getting ready to to reach out and bring in. We need other cultures in here. You know, we need Asians. We need, you know, Iranians. We need every culture. This is an organization. It's supposed to be about diversity. So we've got to bring that diversity in and as women to work together for change. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited looking at the next year. And Guillermo, thank you so much for being a support. Uh, for our organization, so we appreciate that as well. Well, Miss Edna, before you go, and and I think it's wonderful. And diversity is important, not just because the obvious, but Houston is diverse. And so, if yes. an organization is going to reach the masses and really reach the community, they've got to reflect the community. Yes. So they exactly. need to be diverse. Um, exactly. I, I want to turn the page on something <laughs> for both you and and Reverend here and Cyrus, which is um, this weekend and this whole Thanksgiving. I participated in a few turkey giveaways, and I participated in one at the Victory International Church with uh, Reverend Claude Cummins III, beautiful church, and we had about 800 turkeys. And when we started, there were several hundred cars already lined up, yes. hundreds of cars mm. lined up already. And then I participated in the first turkey giveaway with Senator Boris Miles, who's always, like Sheila, always doing things for the community. He went, he mm -hmm. does three in different locations. And in the first one, we probably gave away at, at about 250 turkeys. The lines went all the way down the street and around the block for hours. Uh, and then I was there at the Super Feast at George R. Brown. We were one of the sponsors there preparing a meal. This was really a meal for people. And mm -hmm. I mean, the cars were all the way around. You know. Miss Edna, and maybe maybe it's you, Reverend. In a minute, I'm going to ask you to say a prayer for Houston, if you don't mind. Amen. But Miss Edna, Amen. you know, with all the wealth in this community and this country and everything, there's still so many people in need. Um, so many, and it's just it's it's just heartbreaking. And but yet it's so gratifying for everyone out there. If you haven't done one of these, you got to do it because the people look at you. And they have like tears in their eyes, and they say, "Thank you, you made my whole holiday." Uh, Miss Edna, what are you, what are your thoughts on all of that? Well, you know, I've been doing it for so long. Yes, my you parents have. Were, were, my parents were very involved. I've been doing this since I was sixteen, and I'm seventy-one now. So my parents was always. I've always seen. I've always been a part of that because my parents was that way, and it and it's it's in my grandkids and my kids. They we cannot sit down and have a Thanksgiving meal unless we have went out and did our, our duty out in helping someone else. I mean, that that's just the way my family was and that's where we've always been. And it's so rewarding when you can see someone else that you're helping to give a meal. And when you sit down to have thanks and give thanks to your meal, it's it's so gratifying. It, I mean, it just, it makes a big difference. And it, and it helps our children, our, tr our young kids need to be more involved. We need to make sure that our young kids and our kids in college get out and give back and do these things because a lot of times we give them everything but one of the things that we don't teach them is to give back 
Amen. You know, and I love that word, rewarding. That was the word I was I was searching for, rewarding. Well, let's hear it from the youth here. Cyrus, what are what are the youth doing? What are y'all doing at U of H to try to help others? Is it, or are you just so busy? You just you know, I'm just dealing with my classes, Gilbert. Well, we're never too busy to help people. Um, I think the most important thing for us as a as like a political organization on campus, you know, the most populous campus uh, in the city is really leveraging that position to help get people to vote, right? Register to vote, to come out and vote, because like you were you were pointing out, you know, we have the means, this is like the most, you know, this is the most prosperous country in the world, like in, you know, one of the most successful experiments in human history, really. Um, and so we have the means there to help people not be poor and, and, you know, have to suffer like this. And really it's a matter of, I think, political will and electing leaders who, who will help make that happen. And so we do a lot of work specifically on getting people at the university, register to vote, and then you know, doing campaigns like we did in this past election to sort of keep reminding people to vote, um, helping them access resources to, to, I know at University of Houston, we have an on-campus polling location now. Oh, how great. After, you know, that was the, the first time this past, uh, this past year for the primary and then for the election. Um, so that's been a huge help. Um, and on election day, that line stretched around our university student center. It was amazing. So we're just trying to get more and more people registered to vote every day. And then really the important part after that to, to get them to follow through and actually vote for, for effective leaders who are going to help solve these problems. Cyrus, that is super great. Miss Edna, I'm going to give you the last word here. Anything else you want to say to Houston? No, that's good. And so I would definitely love to get Texas Democratic women involved with the colleges. Uh, we found out during the last elections how a lot of our students didn't vote. And so one of the things that we want to do is be a part of that and to try to change that on both campuses, Texas Southern as well, which is one of my favorite uh, uh, campuses. So to, to actually bridge the gap between the two campuses and let's come together and make sure that because the, the, it's there. So the, the voting site is there. So that means that we just need to get the people there. So definitely love to talk with you further down the line. Uh, come out to one of our meetings and uh, talk talk to Texas Democratic Women's and see how can we be able to help bridge that gap. Thank you all so much and appreciate you and have a great day. Miss Edna, thank you for calling in. Houston, that's uh -huh. Miss Edna Griggs. Let me tell you, she's she's such a, uh, a jewel of the community. It's incredible. And again, remember, you can call in anytime. 832-570-8075. And again, as a reminder, we are on KWWJ, Keep Walking with Jesus, KYOK, The Legendary, and KCOH, The Source, and Aliento Radio, and Radio Sangeet. So, Reverend, would you just please, in these times, sometimes it seems so hard to have faith anymore. Yes. I mean, I have faith, but yet sometimes I'm just torn. I see these. I was going to the show, as I mentioned, and uh, it was there downtown at the um, um, Zilka Hall, which is right next to the Hobby Center. And we were coming and my, um, my mother-in-law was with us. And she's from a little town called Rio Grande City, which is 10,000 people on the border. Right. And it's, you know, 99.9% .9 Hispanic. Okay. And we're coming, and we're taking a left there right in front of the hall. And she goes, oh, my God. She goes, look at all those homeless people. See, they don't have any homeless in Rio Grande That's City. incredible. Because everyone just bunks up with family, with friends. You know, um, it's hard sometimes. Could you please say a prayer for us to keep our hearts open and to just give us some guidance on what can we do to live our lives just a little bit better every day and to reach out for others. It's a privilege. Let us pray. Father God, in the name that we know that can move all mountains, that can pierce all hearts, that can make this place a better place, in the name of Jesus Christ, we stand and ask to bless this city, bless this land, Bless this state, bless this country, bless this world, Lord, as we know no God other than you can do. You've brought us this far, and we know that you're not going to leave us. But give us hope. Give us encouragement. And for those who are downtrodden, those who are hopeless, those who see no way out of no way, 
Oh God, we ask that you would bind us and bind our hearts and let us be the God that they see. I was taught in Bible college that sometimes the only Jesus someone's going to see is the Jesus in you. I've been taught that sometimes the only Bible someone is going to believe is the Bible that we live. So let us live what you've put in our hearts and let us do what you've called us to do as believers in Jesus Christ, oh Lord. And not only in Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray for all of those who pray to a different name, but we know it's the same God. Father, we ask that you will bind us and bound us and, and bring us together as a people, that we in this city, this one of the richest cities in the world, not just this nation, but the world, that we would have some people who are not able to have food on their table. We have people who don't have a place to live. We have people that don't have anyone in their lives to help them to get through all of the things that are challenging in their lives. Father, let us be that person. If we see somebody, you, you hear on the television where it says, if you see something, say something. Well, if you see somebody who need help them be that Jesus in their life today. Put a smile on their face. We're all able to do something. And I've heard one man say, if we all just do a little, a whole lot will get done. Now, Father, this challenge goes out throughout this land. Whoever is listening to this radio station, whoever is hearing my voice, pick their heart. Teach us how to be better believers and better Christians. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. In his holy name, we give thanks. Amen. Amen. And amen. amen. Holy cow, what a wonderful prayer. What a wonderful prayer. And you know, um, again, I just think about when my mother-in-law said, look at yes. all those people. She was in shock. Yes, never seen something. Like never seen nothing, anything like that. And I don't know. I, I I just I don't know. I hope my heart doesn't get is it getting callous somehow. No. I mean because we just we see, see it, it so much yeah. that even in our city government they make laws which I've gone down to the horseshoe to talk against. Well, we make laws against panhandling. Well, the idea there is is that you're encouraging it, but I would say that there are people who are simply not going to go to a facility. There are people who don't trust government even who work every day. So those who on the street don't trust government because they think they're going to get locked up if the police come and move them somewhere. So I don't agree with the fact that you make a law where it's illegal to take sandwiches and to take food out to the homeless. And that's not the kind of place I want to call home. So I fought against it. It's on the books. It don't get enforced as much. But just the thought that we would have city leaders that would make laws to make it a act of um, disobedience of the law to help someone who's in need. And what makes no sense is typically if you're going to do something like that, you have to have a remedy yes. to help prevent it Amen, from happening brother. in the first place. Amen. So if all you do is say, well, you can't, you know, you can't give away food to people, well, then how are they going to eat? <laughs> you know, I mean, you don't have to be real smart to yes. sort of say, well, then how are they going to eat? Uh, we already see them, people lined up for hours and hours. Let's think about it for a moment, that if you use your example, and this is why we need leaders like you and, and, and those who don't know your service on the Metro Board and all the other things that you do, it is having a heart for the people. And I've often said this, that I measure a person not by what they say they're going to do, I measure them by what they've done. So you're speaking to a heart for the people. And all the time, we don't have the answers, but just as I said in this prayer, if we all, like you, do a little. Do a little. Just a little. Do a and, little. And a lot will get done if all of us just do a little. Amen to that. So Cyrus, talk to us then about what goes on on campus. I mean, you know, U of H is kind of, a, it's, it's kind of an urban campus. Um, how many people are, live on campus? Is there very many or no? It's not as a proportion of the overall student body, we're still a predominantly commuter school, so not as many people living on campus, but still just the raw numbers. We're like 47,000 yep. students, so, uh, you know, the student body is massive, like you said. And are, are people Which makes it about the third largest populated campus in the state. Right. Is that right? And then if you add U of H downtown and the other, right. but that U of H Central is about the third largest. Wow, yeah. how fantastic. Well, are the young people, do you think they're involved? Do you feel like y'all are involved? 
I certainly feel better after this past election because um, young people turned out. I think the statistic was at a higher rate than any election, any election in the past thirty years, with the exception of twenty eighteen. But obviously, that was a midterm. Yeah, it, it was the highest turnout for twenty to forty year olds in any midterm in the last twenty years, which speaks a lot about the efforts that he's made and the efforts that other young people like himself are making. That's just great. And how do you keep them engaged? What are y'all doing to keep them engaged, that it's not a one and done? Right. That's a very good question. I think there's some difference in how you try to approach young voters or, or prospective young voters in terms of just like some of the traditional ways that maybe work for uh, older voters or older likely you know like traditional block walking, phone banking, that kind of stuff has been shown to be not as effective with younger folks. Just there's like a change in preferences, like TV ads, stuff like that. People don't watch TV as much. Maybe they're on streaming services. You know, they don't open their doors as much to strangers. Um, and so there, there are a lot of innovative ways that people um, and some of these great civic engagement organizations like Move Texas and some of these other that really focus on young voters. Um, there's some innovative ways that they've been targeting young voters in particular and getting people energized. One thing I, I just want to shout out is there's actually an app called Reach um, that our organization and a lot of college Democrat chapters and other civic engagement organizations worked through for this past election, which basically lets you import your phone contacts um, and then it cross-references those with the voter file, like public information, right? And it shows you who in your contact list hasn't voted, is registered but hasn't voted. And so you can see the facts, you know, if your friend tells you, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I vote. But you can see whether they've actually voted. Come on, how do you do it, all that? Well, it's worse than that. My son, who's 34 years old, received a card in the mail <laughs> that showed you voted in 2022. No, you voted in 2020. You voted in 2018. Then it's got a big check mark, yeah, a big question mark about yeah. are, basically are you going to vote in 2022? Oh my gosh! So it's published yeah. uh, even in in the mail. Big card came. Wow! Out. And that was to young people, directed yeah. to young people. Really, I think that is fantastic. Yeah. Hold that thought. We have a Good. caller here. Is there a Layla there? Yes. Hi. Layla, you got me, Gilbert Garcia. A tip from Gilbert. What do you got for us today for either me or any of my guests, Reverend Lark or Cyrus? I was just curious for Cyrus. Um, you're talking about all the ways you kind of get engaged with, um, like, there's, there's new things going on with, like, tracking, um, like, political activity. What's the best way for, like, U of H students to get involved and be a part of U of H STEM? Do you all have, like, actual in-person meetings or is there more of like a social media presence? What's the best way to, to get involved and, and join like UH STEM? Oh, wonderful. Yeah. She sounds like a student. So Cyrus, yeah. tell us, what do you got well, there? Thank you so what, much. What is U of H Dems? What do y'all do? And how do you meet? And what's going on? Yeah, so we are on social media. We have both the social media presence, the in-person presence. Uh, you would, you know, you were you were our last uh, guest speaker, actually, Mr. Garcia. And so for social media, all of our handles are just at UH Dems, um, all one, one thing, uh, no underscores or anything. So you can find us pretty easily on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and then in-person meetings, we generally do every other Thursday. So the last one we had was uh, a few weeks ago, and we've kind of slowed it down just to be respectful of people's final exam schedules. Usually uh, we try to slow down activity towards the end of the semester. Um, and obviously a lot of people were really like intensely working during the election season. And so now we're, people are kind of trying to cool off a little bit um, as we head towards the spring semester and kind of focus on their schoolwork. But if you're interested in joining or, or just learning more about us, absolutely, I would encourage reaching out to us on Instagram, at UHDems, um, just sending us a message. Our, our DMs are open to anyone, so we can get you into our group chat. We use the sort of the typical default um, communication systems for, for college organizations like GroupMe and Discord and stuff like that. So I, we can absolutely, absolutely connect you with anything. Is she a student? Uh, Layla, are you still there? I think she may yes, have hung up. Oh, wonderful. Are you a student? Yes. Oh, wonderful. Well, there you go. Um, join the UH Dems. It sounds like they have a, they're a wild and wacky group doing lots of good things. She may be your replacement since you say you're going to graduate <laughs> and, and move on. Bring on in. Absolutely. Well, Layla, thank you for calling us here at A Tip from Gilbert. Um, Reverend, I want to come back to you if you don't mind. You know, was there a time when you just got like, do you recall a message from the Lord that said, you need to do my work? 
I mean, what what, what happened? I mean, there was a, you know when there was just sort of young Reverend Lark when he wasn't a reverend, just going to school. When did the finger of God touch you to say you're going to now preach the word? June? Very interesting. I, uh, I you would ask that question because I love to tell the testimony. I at ten years old. I began to serve the community and it was an impetus from God but it was an example given some of the adults in my community. I joined the NAACP at 10 years old. I became its uh, youth president at 13. I served in my local school as captain of the fire. We had those little uh, things going on about you, the fire chief, but basically you went out and held the crosswalk thing. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. crosswalk I, I know it, I know we it. We used to do yep. that. And, um, safety patrols, what we call them. Safety patrols. <laughs> At 16, I actually received a experience, a spiritual experience with God. And I knew what it was because I grew up in a Baptist church and we have it called a calling. And I wanted to deny it, so I went to my mom and said, Mom, uh, how do you know you've been called? And being the mom she is, she said, son, you'll know. <laughs> so that was a, the yeah, epiphany yeah. that I wanted, right? So I used that as an excuse to not uh, basically answer the calling. And I was a bit arrogant with God. You know, I told God, and I know you need to be straight and you need to be Humble, you need to be perfect, and that was my perception. You had to be perfect to, right. to serve God, and, and I didn't know that wasn't true. But I went on to give him a litany of things that I hadn't done that I knew wouldn't be acceptable as a minister. So I said, I'm not going to do it right now. Then I ran into the Air Force after a stint at Texas Southern University at Telecommunications School. And one Wednesday night at about 20 years old, four years later, God came to me again. Mm -hmm. in the bright of midnight and I was sleeping and this bright light came about me and I began to tremble and just like the experience of Joshua uh, fighting with the spirit and I justified to God well you told me, the, the devil told me you don't want me anymore because I denied you and the spirit of the Lord said to me he is a liar get up and go do the work that I have called you to do well, to make a long story shorter, because we're on radio, I went to the base chaplain in the Air Force, and the man looked at me, I was crying and saying, oh, I just had this experience with God, and I need, and he said, son, I'm just a chaplain. I really don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, I knew I was with the wrong person, but he, God put in his spirit, there is a country preacher that comes to the base every Tuesday, and he's an auxiliary chaplain. Get with him. And that was J.C. Bailey of San John Baptist Church in San Antonio. And he was my father in the ministry. He got me started. But that's, that's the story. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, I guess I haven't had, like, that sort of the phone ring to me. Uh, I, I don't know what I would do. You, 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 he won't let you go. You yeah. talk to anyone who's been called. Uh, y your life is just not settled. You you just yeah. can't stop. You've got to, like it's 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 uh, the spirit wrapped up in your bones, and until you release it, you're not going yeah. to be free. So very, you, very, you'll have to do it. That is so fascinating. You got them stacking up. That we got them stacking up. But I, I want to come back to that. But let's let's go to. Is there a Lindsay on the line? Lindsay, are you there? Hi, Gilbert. Yes, it's Lindsay. It's your artist friend. Lindsay, how are you doing? Great. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Thank you for joining the show and being with me here today with Cyrus. I just love that name, yes. Cyrus. Uh, and Reverend Lark, what do you got for us today, name. Lindsay? Well, it's so exciting to hear Reverend Dwayne share his story about, you know, being woken up by a bright light. Isn't and that amazing? Like it, yes, and that's almost exactly what happened to me. I mean, I'm sure it was very different, but at the same time, it was like this bright light came to me and was like, Lindsay, we're calling you. And, you know, it's me, it's God. I, I've been, you know, me and my angels are trying to get to you and we have we have a calling for you. And, you know, so I'm just, I'm so thankful to hear his story. And I just wanted to share, you know, that I have something really similar. And that was, you know, how I, basically it led me to being an artist because it felt like, well, here's something that a lot of people can benefit from. And you can meet a lot of people this way. There's, you know, you're being introduced to lots of people to pray for and, mm -hmm and to help and, and Lindsay, don't you feel freer don't you feel oh. that and answering that calling it freed you up and you feel more fulfilled in life 
Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's really beautiful. Lindsay, when did this happen? This was in 2015. And so it's been really amazing to see like one incident like that can really just propel someone. So it's been seven years of painting now that, you know, never happened, never would have happened if he hadn't gotten in touch with That's an amazing story. Did you embrace it right away or did you say, no, that can't be? <laughs> you know, you know, the, you know, your denial, right? Denial. No, that can't be. No, no, you, you must be you must have knocked on the wrong door tonight. You know, you you must have called the wrong house, Lord. Uh, I I I did. You know, I did fight with it a little, mm -hmm. but I just you know something. I, it's like I had enough help around me. There was enough support system that I. It's like I found the helpful people, or they found me, and they said, "Yes, you know, just get out of your own way." And God called you, so just keep on going. And it took a couple months. You know, maybe it took three, four, or five months. But once it got once it got going, it's like it has never stopped. <laughs> well, you you have um you have a way about you, an aura about you that you can tell that you're a spiritually a spiritual person and a good person and maybe that's where it comes from uh, but at the end of the day it you're such a, a joy to be around and i'm so glad you called in yeah, thank you so much and also if there's anyone out there you know there's about 30 or 40 paintings on our website right now um i just wanted to give people the link in case anyone's interested it's um give us, that link. Give, give us the website tell the whole thing and she's i've got a lot of her paintings in my house oh, wow. she painted my elevator shaft uh because i'm a big lover of fish and aquatics and i just wanted this theme and i asked her about it which is imagine an elevator is going down into the water like a scuba diver and so as you're going down you see fish all along the sides okay. and fish on the ceiling it's a masterpiece um what is your website and everything else there Lindsay? oh it's the website link is artsoelectric.com it's a-r-t and then so electric.com s-o electric e-l-e-c-t-r-i-c dot com Yes. No yes. dots in between or nothing like that. Art so electric. Exactly. exactly. Wonderful. Well, Lindsay, what's, I'm going to give you the last word. What do you want to say to Houston? I want to say God bless you and keep on going. If the Lord's calling you, just like Reverend Dwayne said, follow him because he, he's going to carry you. Amen. Amen for that. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you for calling in. Uh, yes. Thank you so much, Lindsay. I know, uh, Reverend, we have other callers. Yes, it's, it's, it's a good active it's, day today. The lines are lighting up. There we go, there we go. What do we got next there, Miss Producer? She can't even keep up. Ernie. 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 Put her through. Ernie, are you there? Good. Is there an Ernie on the phone? Good afternoon, Ernie. Good afternoon. Hello. Yes, this is Ernie. Ernie. How are you guys today? How are you doing, Ernie? I'm feeling grateful after this uh, wonderful uh, group has uh, done so much for the community. Each one of you have done an incredible job. I love hearing about the turkey giveaways, how outstanding. And um, I wanted to tag on to what the pastor was saying regarding callings. I believe that your story is wonderful and um, listening to the Lord is so important, but I feel one of our biggest um, challenges in life is to identify our purpose and our calling and how we can help. And I think this radio show, and particularly Gilbert, does an excellent job of looking at their ta the talents of your, of, of your own and being able to share them with the community. Um, it's so important. I, and a good example is um, the Big Brothers Big Sisters just recently had their annual gala fundraiser and they were so nervous about making the goal and um gilbert was so kind as to be the honorary auction chair and he allowed people to understand the importance of giving back but we not only made the goal we exceeded the goal but what was more important is that gilbert gives his time and that's important for Amen. people to know it's not just about the money it's about the time it's about the example. Yes. Unless you share the example, you will not be able to get people to follow you. And I think being a leader in the community means being able to bring other people along. And I believe this radio show helps other people to see, hey, what's my talent? What can I do to be like them? What can I do to help any little part that I can play? 
So I'm inspired today by listening to you all, but I, I am thankful that Big Brothers Big Sisters was able to reach their goal based on the leadership and kindness and wellness of um, Gilbert Garcia and his team, uh, all helping Garcia Hamilton Associates, all helping. They all do a good job. Gilbert even has a little a big brother on his team. I just think that those are the types of things people should look inside and say, what can I do? I have something to give. I agree. That's a great challenge. Ernie, that is so beautiful. And I thank you for sharing that and, and, and sharing it with everyone. You know, when I think about Big Brothers Big Sisters, you know, I think about young people today. You know, imagine with all the things that we see, Pastor, how confused young people must be. Must be. Can think about it. They're in school, then they can't be in school. They're with their friends, then they can't be with their friends. Uh, you know, they see violence in other schools. They're wondering what is going on. And then there's now questions about what books can be in the yes. libraries. And um, it just seems to me to be, um, I, I can imagine them having so much doubt and questioning things. And more than ever, we need organizations like Big Brothers Big Sisters more than ever. We need to mentor these young people. We need to give them, a, a, you know, a hug and Amen. let them know Amen, that they're not alone uh, on this journey of life, uh, and that we're here to help. Amen. I mean, that's amazing. I sure appreciate you, Ernie. Ernie, I'm going to give you the last word. What else do you want to say here to Houston? I want to say that as we move into the new year and we look at the wonderful time we have with uh, the different holidays coming on for the diverse people in this community, P please make the challenge be your own. Take upon yourself, what can I do to make it better? Because our youth are looking at us. Our, we need to mentor our youth. We need to make them feel comfortable in being who they are. But most importantly, what can they give? And if we're the only ones that can teach them that. And the spirit uh, behind them is all of us as adults we need to help them so thank you thank you for your time and i appreciate all of you what u of h does i appreciate what the pastor does and definitely i appreciate everything your show is doing gilbert to communicate to our houston communities praise god for you ernie thank, thank you. you very much for calling in i sure hope you call in again thank you amen bye Bye bye. We have more callers there. Producer, who do we got on there on the phone? We've got tip one. Uh, an Amy. Is there an Amy there? Hello? Amy. Is this Amy? Yeah, hi. You have me, Gilbert Garcia, a tip from Gilbert, talk, inspiration, and prayer with Reverend Mark and Cyrus. Hello, Amy. Hey, guys. So earlier, the Reverend was talking about how he felt his calling towards God. And so that made me wonder if you guys had a similar calling towards political activism. And if oh, so, yes. like what steps you took for any listeners who feel a similar calling. Wonderful. Well, let's go to the youth. Cyrus, what, what has made you get involved here with the Democrats there at U of H? I think, uh, and this is probably characteristic of a lot of young people and just a lot of people in general, you, you mentioned getting your start, Reverend, in community organizing. Um, I think that's that kind of grassroots organizing is where it starts for a lot of people. It did for me because I, I got started in high school with uh, some of the local advocacy organizations like OCA Greater Houston, you know, AAPI Advocacy. Um, and, and sort of like engage some of these Muslim American like civic engagement organizations. Um, and when I was in high school at the time, the sort of the big topic in legislation was SB4 at the time, the, the so-called show me your papers bill that was, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the, the immigrant communities in Houston, um, marginalized communities kind of came together to oppose that, to lobby against that. Um, and so that was kind of how I got my start. That was like, I didn't really know much about statewide legislation or really statewide government in general. And so with them, um, with these organizations, I got a chance to go to Austin and see what that looked like um, and, and kind of get involved in politics. And from there, I had that realization that, hey, I'm, if, I'm, uh, if I have these certain positions on issues, then I'm a Democrat. And from there, I kind of I progressed into more of like the mainline uh, mainstream party politics. But I think it starts a lot of the time at the grassroots level, like organizing type of background. Well, let me ask you this. Do you have fun? Yeah. Is it fun? No, it is. Uh, every, like, it's 
very fulfilling. Every new person we register on campus to vote, and every per, every time you like during election day, we were out there until seven p.m. And then when they extended it to eight p.m. for the polls, we were out there till eight p.m. So every every new person you can direct to the polls, and you see them come back afterwards with like the "I voted" sticker. That's that's fulfilling to me. What a great great feeling it must be. Let me ask you this, Reverend. What about you? What got you started in all this? You know, getting engaged with the community and making a difference. Well, if you go by my life experience, my track record, it was this I was born to do it because, as I stated, I served in a capacity of captain of, um, you used the term that is the proper term in terms of the safety patrol. Safety patrol, and that was at eight, nine years old. And then, of course, moving forward, I be became a member of the Forensic Society at Woodson Junior High School, and, and it really helped me develop public speaking. And then uh, later, I became a member of the student council at Worthen, and subsequently became the president of our class. And so that instilled in me, with my NAACP experience, that service was the highest way in which to meet the needs of man and also serve God. So for me, political activation and political engagement was a way for me to say, I'm trying to do my part because I was inspired by those before me. The generation before me was a sacrificial generation. We're talking about those who were uh, part of SNCC, the Student Nonviolence Coordinating Committee, Dr. King, and so many others, and even the Black Panthers, uh, which <laughs> is a whole different story that I could tell regarding uh, my life experience and how I, it was shaped that politics, when Malcolm X said the famous phrase, one of the famous phrases, either the ballot or the bullet. Well, I knew the bullet wasn't going to be my answer, so it had to be the ballot. Mm -hmm. And so my life's journey has been to inspire people to use the ballot as their voice. And I'm so inspired by this young man that I see him, if I was to be a prophet, I would say that <laughs> if he chooses to be, he can be the governor, the president, and anything in between, if that's his, because his track of his high school experience getting involved early and now being the president of his local chapter of Democrats, it is his foundation by which I think he can springboard and, and by the fact that he has a, a dual concentration in his education, <laughs> economics, <laughs> politics, so to speak. Um, I just see that this is the hope and this is the now. I heard one young lady on a awards, 13-year-old, she just got accepted to medical school on the Grio Awards, and she was an inspiring young lady at 13. Well, you're a little older than 13, but you're just as inspiring to me that there are those who are coming behind. Because I've always said this, that us old folk, and I consider myself old now that I'm 63, but I'm not finished. So don't push me to the side, but I want to embrace you, and I want to help you to get and impart in you the things that I've learned so you don't make the same mistakes. And when you ask the question, is it fun? Well, I can't honestly say that the work and the body of work I've done has been fun, but it's been fulfilling. Amen. And I've often used those terms in, in differentiation in that joy and happiness. I, I really can't say I've ever experienced happiness because I can't define that because it's so fleeting and so temporal, but joy is everlasting. And so I get a lot of joy out of knowing that my life has been a life of service. And I promised him, as the old, old folk in the churches say, I promised him that I would serve him until the day I die, so I plan to do that. Well, hopefully that'll be a long time from now, <laughs> because all I know is 63. Listen, that is 63 <laughs> years young, as they say. Let's hold that thought, because we have another caller on the line. Is there a Carmen on the phone? Miss Carmen? A tip one. Miss Carmen? Hi. Hello. Hello, Miss Carmen. You have me, Gilbert Garcia, a tip from Gilbert, with Reverend Lark and Cyrus. Hi, good morning, Gilbert. So I just wanted to call and thank you again for coming out to support our, our Petra Guillen Foundation early part of this November uh, at Our Lady Wallowood Church. With your support, we we raised twelve thousand dollars six hundred. All right, all right. Lady, thank you, Our Lady Wallowood Church and school and uh, the surrounding communities. And so I just wanted to also say that I really enjoy listening to Reverend. Lark speak uh, very eloquently about leadership, 
Um, God blessed us with many talents, and we just need to raise the first leaves and get to work. And so, Gilbert, thank you again for for not only just speaking of what you're going to want to do, but actually getting to work, rolling up your sleeves, going out there and help, helping our communities and bringing smiles to many. So kudos to you and um, Cyrus and Reverend um, Lark for all of that you do to our communities. Well, Carmen, let me ask you this. The church, how old is the church? It's got to be one of the oldest Catholic churches in town, Yes, right? it is. It's a, from 1912. 1912. It's one of the oldest Catholic churches. And so that's gotcha. why we established the Foundation is because we saw the need um, to renovate our beautiful church. It's a historic building. But, um, you know, we're in a lower income, middle class community, and it's very hard to raise funds um, for special projects. But the um, resilience. The archdiocese, yes, the archdiocese also limits you as to how many fundraisers you can have a year. So with this foundation, we're a nonprofit and we can, um, like we did, we had our own barbecue fundraiser and we're having a raffle on the side. And so, like, the church can only have two raffles a year, and so they're very limited on how much um, they can raise. And so, with our foundation, um, we hope to renovate our beautiful old church that was built mainly for the Hispanic people, because back then, a lot of people didn't know that there was um, segregation even within the churches. And so, for the Hispanics that were fleeing from the revolution in Mexico, they didn't have a place to attend church and so the need was seen the church was built the school was built um and so we just need to keep that um going and it needs a lot of tlc as you saw the window project is going to be a huge um project for for us and but you know you can see the difference in the paneling we, you can you'll be able to drive by and see the beautiful stained glass that's right now you can't see because of the old um, covers that it has right now. So thank you again for your support. Um, this money is also going to go towards scholarships for Our Lady Guadalupe um, School, which is right behind Our Lady Guadalupe Church. It's kind of hidden in the back. A lot of people don't know there's a school back there, and that's why we just put the uh, marquee sign on there that now um, I think it was two years old. Um, you can imagine all these years without a marquee sign and that was a huge project also that I was a part of with the gala at the school and so that was a huge accomplishment not just for for uh, obvious reasons but also a safety for our kids to let others know that there's a school in, in the back of the church. Well Carmen thank you so much you know um, send me some information I know you have my email or so forth and um, you know, my cell phone, I think the whole city has my cell phone, 713-443-4330. Uh, yes, sir, maybe there's I something it. I can do at this raffle that I can put something up there to raffle because I know how important it is to preserve history, especially our holy places. 110 years. Yeah, can you imagine that? I can I had a guest last time from the AJC, uh, Randy Sarlinski, and he talked about going to Israel and how in Israel many of the when you're walking, there are uh, things there that are four or five thousand years old, and that here yes. we just tear down yes. things. No problem. Um, yes, and so as you've seen in our community, there's huge renovations all around us, huge buildings coming up around us, but the church is just kind of stagnant. And so we like, okay, you know, where are these people going to attend church? These people across the street at this 500 unit apartment, where they have to go to church somewhere so we're hoping that by renovating our beautiful church we can also um attract those new newcomers into uh that are coming to the neighborhood and so you know east end second ward is booming right now and so uh, we really see the need to beautify our our beautiful historic our lady Guadalupe church Carmen. And and as we speak, just I know you're, we're running out of time. No, no, go ahead. I do want to say that we are our next project for the Petra Guillén Foundation is the sound system. People go to church to listen to the word of God, and if you can't really hear because you have old sound system, then you're not really gaining the benefits. That's so that's the our next. Yes, sir. And so we also have a beautiful choir that they sing beautifully, but 
you don't get the benefit of it also because it's this poor old sound system so what's the location um, anybody that wants to support us with that petraguillen.org um, um, that's our next project uh, we just finished doing the ac and heat and last winter our we had a very cold church uh the the um you know a lot of parishioners didn't attend especially the elders because it was too cold we just raised the funds to install our ac and heat and this past sunday was our first time using our oh our how wonderful what a miracle yes what, give, so give the address for all of our listeners here in the reverend the the address for our church is yes. 2405 navigation boulevard is on you the same location yeah. well Yes, on right at the corner of Navigation and Jensen. Okay. Um, and like, if you want to help support our cause for the sound system, um, you can log into org. Carmen, that is beautiful. I so appreciate you for calling in. And, you know, we want to help. I want to help. You know that. I can help more. And I want to make sure Houston knows that's what this station is for. This is the people station. I want everyone to call in and say what's going on with your church, what's going on with your scouts, what's going on at school. That's the way we in the community can have a connection together. Because Lord knows every time I turn on the media now, Reverend, there's just another terrible yeah. thing, another terrible incident, another terrible, unnecessary, horrible just unimaginable shooting and yeah, I almost don't want to turn it on yeah I don't want to turn it on and you know we've got to do better and so that's the reason for this show uh, Carmen thank, thank you. you so much for calling in I want to ask you thank a question you. yes thank you Carmen go ahead Reverend remind us of the years you served as the chair at Metro of Metro I was chairman of Metro uh, from 2010 to 2016. Okay. I served under Mayor Anise Parker. Yes. And I'll never forget when she called me to say, Gilbert, what are you doing tomorrow? When she was mayor. And I said, Mayor, I'm whatever you need. She goes, I want you to come down to city council because I'm gonna nominate you to the Metro Board. And I said, Mayor, you know, all the things you think I would say. Well, that's an honor. And then she goes, Well, Gilbert, I hope you don't mind. I said, What's that? She goes, I'm gonna name you chairman. Um, and I said, Chairman. Baptism of fire. Yeah, I said, Mayor, I go, are you sure? She goes, yes. I said, no one's ever heard of me. And I don't know anything about transit. She goes, that's why you're that's perfect. Yeah, that's and right. I did not know the wisdom of those words yeah. until she told me. So, Reverend, thank you. But I'll, I'll turn it back to you because, you know, we're running out of time. Actually, Reverend, I'm going to give you the last word before we shut off and go to social media for a minute or two. Cyrus, what do you want to say to Houston real quick on behalf of all the young people in the city? Well, I just want to thank you for having me on. Um, it's been a privilege. Uh, to my fellow young people in particular, please do. Uh, it doesn't have to be, like, democratic politics. I just... You know, it's find something that's impactful and fulfilling. Um, it can be like community organizing, grassroots organizations, any kind of advocacy group, um, whatever your interest is, and and just pursue that. And I think that's that's a really good way to go about getting involved in your community. Well, amen to that. You know, I'm a Democrat, but you know what? I'm a member of the human race, first of all. And I think at the end of the day, we Houstonians, we just need to come together, Reverend. And we need to, we all need to figure out what we have in common because we have so much more in common than we don't. And so let's be nice to each other. Reverend, I'm going to give you the last word as we key up the music here in about 30 seconds. Uh, and what do you want to say to Houston, Reverend? Well, first off, uh, let me say thank you for having me on, and I'm going to keep in touch with Cyrus, a biblical name, a young man that I feel like is going to do great things uh, for this world, not just this community, and I'm going to keep in touch with you. Um, I also want to know, if anyone want to get in touch with me, you can reach me at 832-524-4435. That's 832-524-4435. And I want to leave you with this thought, that if we don't do it, if you don't do it, who will? And if not now, when? And if you're trying to find a place uh, to get started, and that's generally the biggest obstacle most of us have, how to get started, get in touch with Cyrus at, what's the name of that uh, Instagram? It's just at UHDEMS. Simple enough. Call me at 832-524-4435. 832 
524-4435. Reverend, we thank you. You know what? It's hard to believe, but can you believe an hour already yes, passed? Uh, that's right, uh, yeah. Let's tee up that music again. This song was written in 10 minutes, and it's almost like a prayer. We're in the middle of it. Come let me love you. Let me give my life to you. Let me drown in your laughter. Let me die in your arms. Let me lay down beside you. Let me always be with you. It's just beautiful. Turn it up there, Mr. Producer. You fill up my senses like a night in the forest, like the mountains in springtime, like a walk in the rain, wow. like a storm in the desert, like a sleepy blue ocean. You fill up my senses. Come fill me again. Who can write like that? Yes, it's an Pastor. inspired writer. Wow. He wrote it for his wife, but she said it really became more like a prayer for him. Because God is actually singing that song to us as well. He had to be inspired by God no because doubt. that's what God asked us to do. Come, let me fill you up. That's exactly right. Yes. He was he, clearly a spiritual human being. Yes. Like the mountains of springtime is like a walk in the rain. Like a storm in the desert, like a sleepy blue ocean. Like a sleepy blue ocean. <coughs> fill up my senses. Come fill me again. What a masterpiece. Yes, it is. Across generations. Isn't it? I think they'll be playing that song for the next hundred years. I think we've signed off on radio. So now we're here, social media, Facebook, um, and I don't know if I can say Facebook anymore. I may not be able to, but at the end of the day, all social media outlets, we've had a great time today. This is Gilbert Andrew Garcia of A Tip From Gilbert, Talk, Inspiration, and Prayer. What inspired me was to have some better news out there so we didn't just hear about all the bad things in the world because you know what? There's a lot of good in the world. We just got to open our eyes to see it. And of course, we're here every Monday from 11 to 12 uh, Central Time, 1360 AM, 96.9 FM. That's KWWJ, Keep Walking with Jesus. KYOK, the legendary KYOK, 1140 AM. KCOH, The Source, 1230 AM. Aliento Radio, 1540 AM, 101.7 FM. Sangeet Radio 95.1 FM, 1460 AM, and I'm sure we'll be coming to even more stations. And you can call into the show during the live uh, taping as we're doing, 832-570-8075. I had two wonderful guests. I'm going to let them have the last word. Of course, one of them is Cyrus, who's the head of the College Democrats at U of H. And Reverend Mark, but let me just first go. Cyrus, thank you for being here. What's your last words here for Houston? Tell them in the camera. Well, I just hope that everyone can get involved in helping their community. Um, my inspiration was just being able to find a way to help people the way that people have helped me. Um, and I'm really thankful to be here and be able to share the, my experiences and and be here with uh, the Reverend and Gilbert and really learn from this experience. And I just hope that I can continue to help encourage my fellow young people to get involved in making uh, this a better Houston and a better world for, for our generation and, and those in the future. Amen, I love that. Get involved, a better world, a better Houston, get involved. Reverend, you have the last word. Well, first off, I want to thank our friend, common friend, Claude Cummins, for encouraging me to come over and meet you. Amen. It's been a joy, and this extension of this conversation we've had today has been quite illuminating and encouraging. And, young man, you are a refreshing hope for our coming life of generations <coughs> to come. And I want to just give God's blessing all over you and that you will be an inspiration, not just for your generation, but the generations before you and the generations after you. Continue the work, never be discouraged, and I know that you come from good stock, good parents because of the way you carry yourself, and I would tell those who are listening and who are viewing 
that I know for a fact that God is still in the miracle business. And I bear witness that I am an example of God's miracles. It was in 2008, the reason I asked you that question of your service, I was serving uh, in a capacity of the Harris County Council of Organizations president, and I came before the Metro Board to talk against the, the train going down Scott Street. You know, there was a big controversy yes. under your tenure. And, and the grace of God, you guys did move it and change it. So we give your leadership credit for that. And yet, um, I had just been uh, 12 months removed from a massive heart attack. No kidding. What is called a widow maker. And I was advised not to get out and go do that. And I reminded you the first time we met that my defibrillator went off at the meeting. And I had calls from people because it brought me to my knees. And it was just an example that sometimes you got to do things that you may be advised not to do, but in your heart, God tells you to do it. And that message was that important to me. And subsequently, uh, obviously, I'm, I'm 14 years removed from what was called a widowmaker. Only 3% survived. So God is still in the healing business, and God is still in the miracle business, and I am an example of that. So trust God. Lean on God, and I would say that uh, if you do and sometimes just serve God, and sometimes you will receive a miracle as a result of your service. So I just want to encourage you in that sense. Continue to believe no matter what, that God is able to see you through. He has never failed me yet, and I am an example of how God can take you three times I flatline in that Catholic wow. Memorial Hermit, wow. and the doctors would not give up. 45 minutes of artificially pumping my heart, and yet the, the people in that cath lab, Dr. Richard Smalling and his crew, would not give up. Many doctors would have called it after the second one, but the third one was charm, and heaven released a blessing, and I'm told that where I worked at the post office downtown, when it was downtown at the main plant, that everyone stopped when they heard and began to pray. So I know the power of prayer and power of collective prayer. Mm -hmm. So if you're going through something right now, I'm just asking you to allow the prayer, prayer for yourself, ask others to pray for you because the power of collective prayer is more than amazing. It works. Amen, Brother Gilbert. Thank you for Amen. You know, I uh, was at the um, George R. Brown and the mayor was there, and we all have read about the mayor and his battle with cancer. Uh, let's just all say a prayer for him. Yes. Uh, that he and his family find the strength, number one, to, to go through it, and number two, to go through it. Amen. And so, yeah, so amen. I think he's got a lot more time to do a lot more good. And so we are here, and I just want to say to my guests, thank you for joining thank me. You. It's a pleasure. And let me just say to Houston, as we said at the beginning, if you see someone, give them a smile. Give them a hug. We're all part of the same race, the human race. And this is Gilbert Andrew Garcia, a tip from Gilbert saying, we'll see you next time. This is Gilbert Andrew Garcia. Listen to my radio show, A Tip from Gilbert. Talk, inspiration, and prayer every Monday from 11 a.m. till noon on Houston's Gospel Leader, KWWJ, 1360 a.m. and streaming live on kwwj.org. Listen on the legendary KYOK, 1140 a.m. and streaming live on kyokradio.org. KCOH, 1230 a.m., The Source. On San Geek Radio, 95.1 FM, 1460 AM. And Aliento Radio, 101.7 FM and 1540 AM. Call in at 832-570-8075 and follow me on social media. See you then.